Hey, everybody. I don't know how to start it off. What are your thoughts about the intro? All right. Well, I wrote down a list of points. Boundaries for our podcast. We curse a lot. Fucking obviously. We tell stories and jokes. We are allowing ourselves a space to talk about important and challenging subjects. <laughs> if any of these things are not okay with you, please don't listen to this podcast. But I, I think we should keep talking about this for for a minute and make that the intro. Just kind of take some of each of our statements and and make that the intro. And also I'll use the fart noises. Welcome to How I Met My Brother. Okay. 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 Hello. Hello. This is a podcast. Um, Hello. This is a podcast. First of all, to the audience, if you're listening to this, like if you're still listening to this after um, having, if you've been listening and like you're still paying attention, good for you. Because <laughs> like scheduling wise, this shit has not been a consistent. No. Um. Yes, audience, I had to move, um, which we could just jump right into talking about housing. <laughs> yeah, if you want to, you know, personally relevant. My housing woes involve digging, digging a 10-foot-long uh, trench, and yours involved finding a new house. But hey, at least you live in a pretty place in the woods. That's true. And uh, my landlord is a climate change scientist. So I think they care a little bit. That's cool. <laughs> but it's, I don't know if it's this way in Boise. Um, in Missoula, the housing crisis, I've never personally experienced anything like this. It's, they've, they're creating this giant, these giant apartment complexes for like, all of the service workers and putting them kind of on the north side right by the interstate and then there's this part of town right by the stadium that they're building up to be the rich part of town and it's just gentrifying like crazy mm -hmm. and my a lot of my artist friends are just getting kicked out right and left of their houses and the landlord for no reason and the landlord's just like we're going to increase the rent by three thousand dollars per month yeah <laughs> But I, what yeah, I this... don't understand about this model, because I've heard I've heard that Jackson Hole kind of went this route, like all these rich people moved to Jackson Hole, and then the service workers who all work for the rich people don't have enough money to pay their rent, mm -hmm. which is now the case in Missoula. So the artists who entertain the rich people and the restaurant workers and the bartenders and the coffee makers who are all working their butts off for tourism and for, you know, for the system. How is it that we are going to be able to keep serving the rich people? We can't. I don't get it. Yeah, there's, um, uh, there's, there's a significant amount. Boise uh, itself is, it's not that much, not that specific thing as much, but both Sun Valley and McCall um, have, have that problem substantially um where it's just there there's you know the people who need to be up there and i i, I deal with that to a certain extent for for work because it's just it's hard to get have like our salespeople who cover the sun valley territory um like bolt the we have we have two guys who work up there and neither of them live in sun valley they both drive like an hour and a half to work um wow. to uh um to, to cover that territory. Um, and yeah, McCall is, is getting, getting worse. Um, where it's just, uh, there, there's no way for people, you know, McCall used to be this really funky, you know, mountain town. Um, there's still actually that my, uh, my uncle on my mom's side, um, who was the reason that, my mom moved there and subsequently met dad oh. um 
had this funky ass uh, auto shop and it's right uh the house is still there it's right on the main road when you when you drive into town and it's now um very weird and out of place because i don't know who owns it but it's really beat up and shitty looking it used to be just like it used to look like all of the other houses around it It used to really you know just fit into the place that it was at but uh yeah i don't know who owns it or why it's not in any kind of any kind of state of repair um but I, I think about that every time I go up there because I'm like, wow, that's that's it's it just it looks more and more out of place the more new shiny shit gets built around it. Yeah. And I'm not against shiny things. Um, just the financial differential is. Yeah, it's the really idea unfair. of <laughs> really like, unfair. The idea of property as investment because that's really what we're talking about. It's like this it's this this very specific type of like weird dysfunctional aspect of of capitalism because like <clears throat> one of the things that we have experienced in Boise because we've had, you know, Boise's been like one of the hottest real estate markets in the country for uh for the last several years, right? Except more like more recently, it's exploded to the point like prices have gone up to the point where it went from being on everybody's list of most affordable, best value, you know, places in the country to least affordable places in the country because, you know, real estate values like doubled or more and wages barely increased. Um, and there are people and this happens in places where real estate is getting hot all over the place, either people who live in the place or more often than that, people who don't live there who are just like real estate speculators um, will swoop in, buy places, flip them over and use uh, either resell them or, or more often use them as rentals. Um, personally, I think that if you like, I'm not, I, I, I'm not even going to go so far as to say you should, shouldn't be able to rent out a property that you own, but there should be a scale, especially on residential, like single family residential, like a, a separate, like the, you know, multifamily apartment building shit like that. That's a separate piece of, of coding that also should be addressed in terms of um, like what amount, like how much you're, you're, you're allowed to uh, fucking suck the, the labor value out of people um, because they need a, a roof over their heads. But I think it's pretty fucking cut and dry that if you own property in a single family residential area, like a house area, um, you, you know, you own a, a house, um, there should be an increasing scale based on the number of properties that you own, uh, where you pay more and more fucking taxes, uh, on any money that you take, that, that, that you take in from the, from, from those, fucking rental properties because the idea that people are coming in to a place like Boise that already didn't have enough housing inventory for people who wanted to buy. And then in the middle of uh, an extremely hot real estate market, buying things and driving up prices, which fortunately it's stabilized now, but it hasn't really gone down, um, which not that I wanted to go down that much, but I do want people to be able to fucking afford places to live. Uh, but somebody who doesn't even live here buying property maybe doing a slight renovation, you know, whatever, uh, and then turning it into a rental charging, of course, the maximum possible amount that the market will support for that rental. And so not only taking a, you know, a house out of the market that could be, cause I mean, the other part of this is they're not doing that. Like people who are buying up houses and using them as rentals are not buying rich people's houses and using them as rentals. Right. They're not buying multi-million dollar houses and using those as rentals because you can't make money like that. They are buying entry-level houses. They are buying two and three and four bedroom houses because those are the ones that you can buy for, uh, you know, in, in the Boise market, a three bedroom house is probably like 400 to 500 grand, depending on where it is. If you're further out, then um, you can probably find a three bedroom house for, uh, for 300, um, you can probably find a, you know, a, a shitty like 
fixer upper type property for maybe 200. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's where the money is, is buying single, uh, buying middle-class single family houses and then turning those into rentals, which is fucking robbery. Like you are, you're, you're stealing a home from somebody because you have the money to come in and pay more than market value for it and then turn around and use it as a rental. Like you have, you never had any intention of living there. Um, it's just, and I think there, you know, I personally feel like we shouldn't have landlords. I don't think we, I mean, I'm, I'm dreaming way out of course, but why do we need to have someone else having power over someone else's living situation? Because a lot of this, like you own, you own a house and you own land and all of that, that ownership notion comes from Europe and the serfs and all of that. And we came over genocide, you know, the story slaves and created these giant homesteads, which allowed for a lot of people to have private property, which was great. So we all become our own little Kings and Queens with our private property that we get to do what we want to do with it. And that feels good. I wish I had that opportunity. I don't have enough money to do that. And so I think that our evolution has allowed for us to have a relationship as individuals with the land where each individual gets to do whatever they want. And now we feel entitled to that because we have not been raised in a community situation with housing. So more and more, I'm just seeing like city development and how those structures affect our brain and how we think and how we operate and how also these family housing situations keep us all separate from one another because we don't, we are not either considering community housing situations in a different, in a different format. So there's, there's, there seems to be the, the necessity to continue with each of us having our individual entitlement to having our own space. And even potentially we could sustain everyone having housing on the planet. If, if uh, we had a <laughs> slight right. population drop, but, but well, we don't even need a population house. drop. Like, yeah. Like the giant houses, the mansions with two people in them. And then you have all of this land that's being used for two people. We could have three families in a mansion and then we could build tiny houses around the property and utilize tiny houses way more than we are for people who want to be single and they don't want to live partnered up in a house. Cause that's the other thing. If you're not partnered in this system, Housing, taxes, everything. It's barely it's possible to survive if you're not partnered. So alternative ways of living other than a nuclear family. The nuclear family, I don't think, is necessarily healthy. Um, and I think if we could have housing set up so that we could support one another more even in raising kids, but where the kids also still, you know, obviously had a close relationship with their parents. I don't know. Those are the things I've been thinking about. Yeah. I, so first of all, like, in a, there's in a, a lot of layers there, <laughs> but like it's... one important thing to, to realize is like, uh, we don't even have to like, look at, you know, how many extra people like a mansion or like a golf course could, you know, <laughs> Like all, all, like reallocation of, of land and all that shit and rebuilding all the Re housing structures. Right. We literally already have enough housing for everybody. Right. Um, there is just all of this housing sitting empty um, because people can't get, because people would, the people who own it would rather have it sit empty than accept, than, than take less money for it. So that's part of it. And the other thing, the other thing I want to talk about is um, greed, scarcity man. mindset. Scarcity because you have um, to watch my scarcity video at some point you have to watch my scarcity video because it's scarcity is so connected to ownership 
Yeah. They're yeah, like, that's, that was exactly the point I was going to make. Point. Right. Like I bought my house because I know that by buying a house, the money that I will spend on my mortgage, as opposed to the money that I would other, otherwise be spending on my rent, at least doesn't go away completely. Right. You know? It's going so to unless- a bank. And to your house. Right. Like I'm still, I'm, I'm paying a bank interest for the loan, but at least I have equity in the house. And given the fact that I was able to, to find a house that was in, you know, shitty condition and, and, uh, in a, in, in a very bad market in, in 2011, I was fortunate to be able to buy it when I did. Um, and the, and you know, now I've been able to, to do a lot of improvements to it. So it's like a, a decent middle-class house, uh, at this point. And it's, you know, it's got a, it's got a fair amount of land, but yeah, it's like, I'm, um, like I'm, I'm happy about the amount of, of land that my house has, because that means that I get to have a big garden on it, you know? Um, and I get to build stuff and I've got like a decent amount of space that's, you know, that's private and and whatnot. I, I don't care about the ownership part. Like, I, I just know that I like that I that I can rely on having privacy and you know and, and right. safety and all that stuff. So like this is if, brilliant. If there Leo. are ways to have safety oh and privacy God, and this is autonomy brilliant. and um and all that shit like without land ownership. Right. Um Leo, yeah, this is, is groundbreaking what you're saying because so many white people I think especially myself included you associate ownership with those things for some reason culturally but you are absolutely right we should be able to have what did you say safety privacy and autonomy yeah while still not necessarily yeah yeah it doesn't seem like ownership of property needs to be inherently like tied to having those basic things um and and, i mean again we're you know we're talking about of of having a a radical new system because yeah you're right the ownership model the property model uh is very much uh a a colonizer uh concept uh and it's and it's how we live like again i bought my house because i'm like i am i'm I'm going to get old eventually and I'm going to need to retire and I'm going to yeah. need like, I want to, I, I want to know that I'm going to have a place to live when I don't have as much income um, as opposed to having a system where it's not like based on, you know, where we're just all communally taking care of each other. Um, and if somebody's like less able to contribute, it doesn't mean that you like kick them out of the, out of the community. <laughs> Um. well and the more we talk about it the more I think about it too like what you just said even if you wanted to do something different you can't like I mean it's cool we're talking about it I'm thinking about it you look at what's negative to try to vision and dream the a positive thing but it sucks like I'm now living in a house I want to live in community maybe someday I'll have a partner I don't know that's healthy, <laughs> but I still would want to live in community, even if I had a partner, mm-hmm. because I want the feeling of support and we're all sharing and you can still have autonomy. We're trying to figure this out in this tiny little house. I mean, if we had it set up so that we had more tiny houses, more people could have that feeling of autonomy. And then you could have more community spaces, large community kitchens large community spaces to share, but then also have your own autonomy, which we value so much, but almost too much because we're supposed to help each other. Mm -hmm. And that I think even makes us feel good. And we get cut off from that. We get scared and scared and scared and scared. And then we're blocked off. At least this is what I felt myself from even feeling that open heartedness to help one another and be there for one another. But so if you and, and Catherine wanted to live within a community that wasn't gated and wasn't supremacist or weird, but just like a community where you're all also helping 
that's not really possible in the physical setup of our housing situation. Right. You know what? It's just occurred to me. Um, so this is like, um, we've, we focus a lot on talking about, um, about dreaming and, uh, of what, uh, kind of, uh, what a dis- different system would look like and, um, and how it would work. Uh, but it just occurred to me because this is a criticism <clears throat> that I level at, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, libertarianism, uh, a lot of the time. Um, and that is that, uh, you have to take into account human evil. I wish we didn't like, I wish that I believed that it like that it's somewhere on the, at least on the horizon in, in human future that, um, that we will evolve past the need to be fucking evil to each other. Um, but that's because that like that 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 libertarian fantasy of, uh, you know, like everybody should just be able to do whatever they want to do. And you don't bother me and I don't bother you. And it's like, OK, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm on board with that, except, um, except if somebody decides that they're going to, um, I don't know, enslave children. Just like, as that's an example. exactly what I was thinking, actually. Yeah, uh, they're, you know, uh, it's like, <laughs> then everybody else should step in and say, no, sir. No, yes. you may not do that. We have all collectively decided that you are not allowed to do that. Um, and that is kind of the the problem with the, the, the libertarian um, uh, kind of dream right. of, um, of utopia. And I, the, what the hell was it that made me think this? Um, oh, I think we will also kind of have to contend with that, um, that capacity, that human capacity for evil. Um, cause part of what makes this challenge so big yeah. is that, um, if you just have small groups, right then you get tribalism almost without fail and i don't know how to not uh, how to how to how to avoid having that happen right and like among the many ills of tribalism is one you get you know uh conflict between tribes um and two you get this is the the specific evil that i was that i had in mind when i brought that up was uh the expulsion of individuals from the tribe um and that is again a um you know scarcity mentality uh uh ancestral trauma that's an ancestral trauma a a lot of this stuff you're talking about is ancestral trauma which we could heal we could heal that. Yeah, I mean, we're not gonna though. <laughs> I mean, fucking, I hope so, but God, I keep seeing so many fucking people. I made the mistake I of really downloading could. TikTok. Um, you made the mistake of whating on TikTok. I made the mistake of downloading TikTok onto my phone again. <laughs> so I've actually looked at TikTok a bunch recently, and. Unfortunately for me, because I say so much uh, and interact with so much like pro trans rights shit on TikTok, among the things that I get shown is other people reacting to fucking anti-trans bigots all over TikTok. And it's just fucking exhausting. There's this whole narrative of right wing assholes. And this is it's so it's aggravating, but it's also so fucking boring and it's infuriating because it's so boring uh so there's this whole fucking wave of people being like i don't have a problem with trans people but i don't like being called cis and you're not allowed to decide for me what that what i get to be called and being called cis is offensive to me i'm just a woman I'm just a man. I'm not a cis man. I'm just a man. And it's the exact fucking same thing that people did over being called straight when it started to become more culturally accepted to be gay. 
I don't want to be called straight. Gay people can be called gay, but I'm just regular. I'm normal. I'm the default. Don't put a word in front of me because I'm the default. It is fucking exhausting. And I don't know why I keep opening that fucking app up, but I do. I keep doing it. And there's like this, there's this girl who's, um, I think she's, she's probably in like her early twenties. Um, and she's trans, but she's gotten all of this fucking attention. Like the algorithm is just basically, uh, just, just pumping her up as this anti-trans voice but who she's she's like a to- she's she's the the right wing token trans girl uh so she what? despite Whoa. the fact that despite the fact that she is trans she is vocal about like restricting who can get uh gender affirming care and oh yeah no you should have to wait until like like there should be criteria or there should be what and it's like there fucking already are Okay. And who the fuck are you to be a voice for restricting? Like, why, why, how, how dare you say that anybody shouldn't have access to the same exact fucking thing that you got? What is like, how dare you, who the fuck do you think you are? Um, and then like there, she posted a video about being, how she was offended by the concept of non-binary people, which I was just like, it's just, it's like going to it's like you went to a super oh salad God. restaurant and everybody was having soup but you decided to have salad um but the but but you still feel like you need to speak about how like not everybody should have salad or like there should be rules on who can get salad and even though like other people who like to eat salad are telling you how harmful all of your anti-salad rhetoric is. Um, and that's like ends up being what you build your entire online personality around is being a salad person. But you like you, you pick up all of the fucking talking points from the soup people who don't like salad. They don't not like salad, but they just don't. You know, it's not it's not for them and it's not natural and nobody should have it and it should be shot in the face. Uh, and then that was like, a great comedic moment. You are doing a wonderful job with this metaphor right now, by the way. And then she found out that not only, um, uh, yeah, like not not only does she think there should be restrictions on who sh- who can have salad, but also she found out that there are some people at the restaurant who aren't having either soup or salad, but they're having like either some combination of soup and salad, or they're having some other different thing that isn't even soup or salad, which doesn't <laughs> even make sense. <laughs> Because soup and salad are the only two things that exist, and that's offensive to her what? as a trans woman. I don't even remember her name, but she's the fucking worst, and her videos keep popping Have up. Have you heard that then. Montana's passed a bill to stop TikTok? Uh, oh, they have? Yeah, I was worried about it, but my friend said that there's actually... So yeah, Gianforte signed the bill. Giant Fart is his nickname in the Zilla. Giant mm-hmm. Fart sent, signed the bill. Um, but apparently it's going to be nearly impossible to try to, what do you call it? Enforce. Enforce. Yeah, of so course everybody, Everybody's going to use it. They know that. Like the, the, it's one of the things that's the most like upsetting and and offensive about uh, this all of this bullshit that these legislators try to pass, is that they either pass bills that are never going to get passed, you know, that are never going to get a, get get out of out of committee or whatever. They're just doing it so that they can say, well, I introduced this bill to do blah blah blah, uh, and they and so there's no focus and there's no it it's not even their fault because it's the way the fucking system is built because like politicians are not there to pass laws. That's not what they're there for. Like that's that's what the original job was, was created for, but that's not what they're there for. They're there to generate money. They generate money by getting fucking donations. They get donations by being visible and uh, you know, going on fucking talk shows. Like, it's not about legislation. It's certainly not about doing anything positive for the American people. Well, there's also, it feels like a separation um, between the 
political world and the human world. And that feels wrong, inherently wrong, to have your leaders not talking to you. So I did want to share, we had a big rally this weekend. Mm -hmm. So, So my roommate, Gwen Nicholson, is trans. And she is also indigenous. She's part of the Salish tribe. And uh, she will be running for city council and is a big supporter of Zoe Zephyr. So you've heard about Zoe? Yeah. I was actually going to test you. I was going to text you last week and ask if you got arrested because I heard uh, a bunch of people got arrested protesting for her. No, my roommates are in on that scene, but I'm not, I'm not interested in getting arrested. Um, yeah. I've been through that. Was that was in Helena anyway, right? Yeah, but lots of people in Missoula. And the thing that I do get a little worried about with with people who are like standing up to sociopathic or evil, let's call it evil, mm-hmm. um, is that the evil, because I, I lived with that energy for a short time and the evil doesn't change. It doesn't mm-hmm. just decide to love you. And it won't see you and it won't listen to you and it won't stop. And so I just get concerned with people hurting their own bodies for no reason. I I think yeah. that protesting is cool and, and rallies are cool because it unites us. Just, this is just, we all have different points of view. And my point of view is that I don't want to further abuse myself because I feel like that's what they want. They want the marginalized people to hurt themselves and further traumatize themselves so that they're not less and less functional. Um, that's where I just feel like I, 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 I care about people. I don't want more people of color or queer people to be traumatized. And we do have to stand together. We do have to rally together and sing and acknowledge our emotions, um, and unite. So there's a lot of ways I think to approach this. One thing that Zoe, so so the rally on on Friday was really beautiful. There was a huge parade of supporters for Zoe. And then I dressed in drag and went to the rally. Um, the speeches were just beautiful. Um, I think of one of the things that you were talking about with McCall and McCall kind of losing its, its weirdness um, and its creativity is that's kind of happening in Missoula too. So my roommate Gwen, one of her platforms is make Missoula weird again. So just allowing for us to be diverse and to be freaky and fun. And um, and Zoe, Zoe's speech was like about really empowering everyone to do something for for this time. That this is a time of revolution and it's a time to come together and it's time to band together. And that I just thought Zoe's speech was really cool and not and very not colonial. It was like and it was very human. She is a little bit becoming like an archetype now. Um, but she's just a person who's trying to do her best to stand for Missoula. And I see that. And and she she wants everyone to be involved in their own way. She doesn't want everyone to be like her. So I just, I that I feel like is the general movement to move toward is allowing one another to be who we are. Maybe at some point we can move away from even having a norm, only that the norm is our ethics. What if the norm was our ethical system? And from there, any expression of yourself was fine. Mm-hmm. Super ideal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and then I danced. Um, I danced and I got everyone in the audience singing. You mean Rico danced? Rico danced. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. Rico danced and he got everybody singing. We've got the power. Um, and that was good, but it kind of felt like the beginning of, of something. The beginning of many rallies to come. Is there much of that happening in Boise? Not right now. Um, yeah, the, uh, there was, 
there's a fair fair amount of um of activity surrounding uh like the the um the Black Lives Matter protests and everything. Um, there's a decent amount of stuff that went around, went on in downtown Boise, but there, um, and it, and it got like, of course, like the, the, the right wing, um, reaction to that was that, um, cause I don't know how, how, how far away from Missoula is there. So in Boise, Ada County in general is, you know, like one of the more, uh, left uh, kind of concentrations as, as with most places, the bigger, you know, bigger cities tend to tend to skew more liberal. Right. Um, but then the next County over is like super rural and it's, you know, it's big trucks and country music, st- stereotypical, um, you know, uh, left shit or, uh, right, right wing shit. And so what, you know, it's, it's, it's Trump, you know, loud and proud Trump country. And, um, so what we had a lot of, uh, starting with, um, the, the black lives matter, like George, George Floyd protests and, and then continuing, although I don't see it nearly as often now is like the big truck rallies, the fucking guys with, uh, with 40 flags all over their trucks, um, you know, coming in from like, they, they do not live here. They are, they're, they're coming here in force in large vehicles, in large groups, uh, to be an intimidating presence. And there is no other reason for it than that. Um, so, you know, there's like Trump truck rallies and all this shit. And, um, and yeah, in Boise, there hasn't been as far as, you know, like any, I hate left versus right, but I guess that's where yeah, we're. <laughs> I that's, really, I mean, really sucks. It's, um, it's a, it's, Resma it's a really myopic. Yeah. He was saying in his book, quaking of America that we just finished reading, which is fucking amazing. Quaking of America. I highly recommend it. And he said that there was a time in the 1900s where it was swapped and it was the Democrats who were, really racist dicks and the Republicans oh, yeah. were the, the ones who were standing by. Yeah, no, Repu- <laughs> internet Republicans fucking love bringing that shit up because yeah, it was, it, it, it the, the party swap happened during the, in the, in the civil rights era. Um, so it was like Abraham Lincoln was a Republican. Um, the Democrat in the, in the South, it was mostly, Democrats who opposed integration, opposed civil rights. Really? Um, the yeah, the, like de- Democrat, like members of the Democratic Party started the KKK. They fucking like people on the right love bringing that shit up. Uh, to which the response is, of course, okay. But who does the KKK vote for now? But yeah, there was a, there was totally a part, and they try to pretend there wasn't a party shift. But it's like. That that's the stupidest thing I've ever fucking heard. Like, walk up to the Grand Dragon of the KKK and 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 tell him that he voted for a Barack, for Barack Obama and see what happens. Like, nobody no nobody has any lack of understanding. We're all perfectly clear about the political alignment of the openly racist fucking subculture in this country. And my I think my point was, um that there are rallies starting to happen all over the United States and the world. They've always been happening. Um, I don't know if they're left. I don't know if, you know, this rally that we had this weekend was for Zoe to be in solidarity of Zoe. Mm -hmm. But I'm wondering like what rallies we might have. Have you ever been to a, like a big march or anything like that. Um, like not. I mean, I have not any like outside of Boise, you know. Like I've just, in, I, I've just been to several of the, um, the things that happened around Boise. Like I said, around the, um, the Black Lives Matter protest area, era. What was the one in Seattle many years ago? That was the WTO, I think. Standing oh, yeah, Rock. That was... 
The only one I've been to is uh, in Brazil. I went to a, it was like 500,000 people from all over the world. And it was an anti-globalization called the for, uh, World Social Forum. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're still happening, but it was one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of. But it wasn't a protest necessarily. It was more like a gathering. We had a huge parade and all the Amazonian indigenous people were there speaking and all different indigenous people from all over Latin America were speaking. And it was so frigging powerful and amazing. Um, it was awesome, but I've never done, I, I don't really want to be a part of one where there's like cops and riot. I don't want to fight. And I think some people are excited by this actually and feel excited by the fight. Um, I think it's a nervous system response. Yeah. Um, and I've just been through enough that I don't want that. It doesn't excite me. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to fight. Uh, I, and I think part of it, like there's, I want to you know, turn a, away. There's a pretty natural, inclination um to want to do violence to people who are trying to do violence to you right uh i don't think that's our better angels but i i'm not gonna say that that's weird um <laughs> i'm not gonna i'm, I'm nice like, deal. i don't think it's the i don't sure. think it's the best solution to punch anti-trans people in the face but i understand the <laughs> the inclination like, like a person could in theory hypothetically and i'm not suggesting that anybody do this but this portion of the podcast has been redacted for a reason it is a federal crime so nobody should do that but it, she's leal you can do that oh my gosh leal i don't nobody should do that but if you look on the internet you can Leo! how to do it but don't do it. It is again, again, it is a federal crime. Okay. Okay. To wrap this one up, I'm going to time you on this. If you're up for it, I want you to spend the next five minutes talking about Kung Fu. Ready? Go. Okay. Well, first of all, like when you texted me the other day was the first time I think that you had ever told me that you had been interested in Kung Fu when you were younger. So uh, did you ever take classes or anything? I didn't tell you this. Okay. So audience, my brother and I are psychically connected and we've discovered another psychic connection. So when I was young, I was a tap dancer and Leal always wanted to tap dance. I I took tap lessons too. You did? Yes. Didn't I so tell you when this? I, I was to be young, Gene Kelly, when I grew up, you wanted to be Gene Kelly. Yes, I was. But I all wanted to study Kung Fu when I was young and yeah. they didn't have Kung Fu in Yuma, Arizona. So I chose dance. But of all the martial arts that I studied, I wanted to learn Kung Fu. And when we got to the to South America with this with the caravan, there was just, there was capoeira all over the place. So I studied capoeira mm-hmm. instead, which is beautiful. But I've always been fascinated by Kung Fu. Also because it's all shamanistic and shit. And I love shamanism and like animals. All right. Tell me about, tell the audience a little bit about Kung Fu, please. Okay. So there are about. a lot of different uh, schools and different materials and different history a lot of the uh kind of diaspora of the educational material within kung fu has to do with the chinese government um uh, and not letting people practice it um so you know you've now got like the um the shaolin temples that are doing or like the there's those guys like the the traveling shaolin monks that do like tours through america um, that would do this very kind of acrobatic, uh, more kind of Wing Chun uh, type um, performance that is, it's very athletic. Um, it's not so much based around um, around actual defense and, and application. 
Um, so, and, and there are, because there was all of this, you know, government regulation against people learning it and practicing it and teaching it, um, there's which, I'm sorry, they're, they're from which all, government, which government, the Chinese what, government. And why didn't the Chinese government want, they didn't want people to be able to fight for, yeah spirituality or yeah and and state and i mean it's like in part state supremacy um and honestly i don't know nearly enough about like 20th century chinese history to 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 speak to the the details of it but so what what i do know is that in my school um so our uh grandmaster um was born in china he moved to um is it it's not thailand um Damn it! I'm uh, somewhere else. Somewhere else in uh, in Asia, and it'll come to me in a minute. Um, and there was uh, this. Um, there was a guy who was teaching kung fu there, uh, who had um, learned a whole bunch of material from Shaolin schools in China. Um, and uh, I Cheng Ming Does is kung his name. Does kung fu come from China? Um, and there is, there's this incredible, uh, variety in, within all of the material of Kung Fu because it was developed all over China and, you know, the size of China and Mm -hmm. the, uh, like diversity in style, in sizes of people, like from Northern China to Southern China. Um, so when you see, uh, like forms from, uh, from from northern China, they uh, feel much more like tall people forms. It's a lot more like uh, kicking and like deep stances and stuff like that. Um, and the uh, the the southern forms uh, rely l- much less on being able to, being able to create reach with the, they they will try to create reach with the body. They l- rely less on have on a, on the assumption that you will have reach. Uh, if that makes sense. Um, so there's, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. And within our school, so um, Sing Kuang Tae is the current grandmaster of the Chinese Shaolin school. He, um, he's, there are, I'm not even sure how many um, students of his uh, throughout the country that have Shaolin schools. There also is, there's apparently some rift that came up uh, since between the time of me studying at this school when I was 19 and now, um, there were two people who my teacher studied under um, that who are based out of Denver. And there was apparently some sort of uh, falling out with the two of them, or husband and wife, or some sort of following out, falling out between the two of them and the grandmaster. So they are no longer a part of his school. Um, so, but they still teach. And there are other, uh, there are other school owners there, like in other places in the country uh, who were students of theirs and continue to be students of theirs. So now there's like this kind of this, this weird, uh, this, this weird fractional fracturing within, but anyway, that's internal politics. So to the, the material, yes, there is a ton of, uh, animal material, a ton of weapon material, uh, a ton of internal and external material and like, like an, a crazy amount of variety of, um, internal material so when you think about tai chi and i asked you if you'd ever like done done tai chi so the basic tai chi that most people are familiar with so there's this 24 posture tai chi that is probably the most taught the most identifiable you can google 24 posture tai chi and there are charts on how like all the movements and stuff like that it's the most well-known and widely practiced tai chi form in the world Uh, and it was created in the 20th century for exactly that purpose to be able to and it's that that's like the entry-level tai chi form that we teach at our school um and then but there's like um there are other um like these internal forms that focus on um like cultivation and strengthening of like uh, of of chi and watching and um there's one that we do um uh, and you're saying you do the cultivation of chi with kung fu yeah is that kind of its basis is i was just i was going to ask you like do you work with energy lines or you are moving, you are moving energy. Are you balancing energy? 
you and it sounds like there's a lot of different things that you do with energy yeah i don't know that stuff and it doesn't resonate with me so i don't i just don't focus on it that much i think more people focus on it more like to me when i think about uh like there's so like there's a lot of um focus on um pressure points um which you know that's very much about like the you know energy systems within acupuncture and yeah acupuncture and all that stuff and um so there's a lot of forms where we're like you know focusing on you know you're 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 targeting on you know like these two pressure points right here or like you know these ones or like these ones over on the you know the sides of the chest or whatever um and they like our teacher teaches that stuff it doesn't I don't know. It's like not a huge part of my focus, but it's information that's there, you know, within the, within the study. Um, like I'll, I'll think about specific body parts or whatever that I'm, that I'm focusing on or where I'm aiming or how I'm, how I'm doing a, a technique. Um, but yeah, so like that just comes down to kind of like my personal practice and how I, uh, do things. One of the things that I really like about, so there, you know, there's so much different, there's so many different things within martial arts, so many different schools, so many different focuses, some focus more on sparring, some focus more on tournaments, some focus, uh, you know, you've got uh, judo. That's all about, you know, wrestling and holds and using, you know, learning to manipulate your, your weight and other people's weight to, uh, to, to, kind of throw people around and, and, you know, arm locks and all that. There's all this different stuff. So there's so much within martial arts in general, and even just within Kung Fu. And the thing that this school has that it was what attracted me to it to begin with. And what I, and the reason that I went back to it is that um, most of the material is surrounding, it surrounds um, learning uh, long forms or Kata. Uh, so it's a set, series of moves that you memorize and then and you practice them uh and in that way it is very much like dance and that was what i liked about it um and it's been really fun going back to it because a lot of that stuff has come back to me really quickly um and so like i've got i don't, I've, uh i have an idea for the end of our podcast okay um first of all um audience Leo and I have take we have been uh, not doing podcasts because I've been moving and too busy, but I'm I moved and so we will be putting out podcasts with more frequency. And here's my idea, but you might not like it. But what if you got up and you did some showing me because I can see you in the video, mm-hmm. and just do a long form and I'll watch it and while. You're doing your long form. I'll do some wonderful improvised. Singing. Oh, um, <laughs> I don't think I have enough room in the office to do a long form. And I also come back, Leo, come back with my, Oh, can you hear me? Not shoot. Oh, I can still hear you. I think your, um, your internet come is back, tapping out or something. Cause I can, totally Oh, right at the you. end. Oh, now you're frozen. Why? Okay. All right, this is going to be the um, the end da, of this da, episode, da, 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 da. but we'll see da, 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 if we da, 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 can da, 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 do Heidi's idea ba, ba, as like bonus ba, ba, content ba, ba. and post that. Ba, 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 ba. So keep, uh, oh, keep your eyes peeled back, for Heidi's gone. reaction to me doing Kung Fu. Fuck. Thank you for joining us. We're glad you were here. If you want to support what we're doing, you can do that at patreon.com slash H-I-M-M-B or at Heidi J LLC on Venmo. Thank you. We appreciate you. Donate now.